I'm just going to jump into this, man. It's an absolute pleasure sure. to have you, Ronan. Thanks for taking the time, man. How are you? How's your 2023 been? You know, it's it's been great. Um, it's been it's one of those interesting times that all actors will kind of be able to empathize with when a lot of work that you've been doing over the last year or so starts all coming out at once, even though, you know, some of it was done years, years ago, ago. Some of it was mm. done very recently, some of it, and but and yet somehow the stars align and everything sort of happens to fall out into the public space all at once. So it's, it's going to be, an, it's an interesting summer in that way. I'm curious, how do you, what's your day like when a project's released? You know, the day that a project's released, whether it's a game or a movie, how do you look at reviews? Do you stay away from that stuff? How do you handle it depending on your involvement? You know, it's a really, really uh, interesting question. I tend to look because I just can't help myself. <laughs> but I am not suggesting that that is necessarily like the most healthy or reasonable thing to do. There's definitely times when you read people that, uh, you know, say not nice things and it, it's hurtful, of course, because, you know, we're human beings like when you read these things. Um, but, you know, I'm getting a little bit long in the tooth now. I've been around a while, done a lot of these things. You do at a certain point, you know, have to give yourself over to these things and accept that everyone, no matter what amazing masterpiece you choose, whether it be, you know, the Godfather or Citizen Kane, there's someone out there who, can, can I swear? Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, there's someone out there who hates it. <laughs> <laughs> I know a few that hate, hate Citizen Kane. Funny you say Yeah, that. well, yeah. you know, and, you know, I don't hate it, but I don't, I don't love it in the way that a lot of people mm. love it. You know, it's, um, so my point is that everyone has their taste. So when you read what, some of these things, when you read people's opinions, you have to realize that. And there's things that I dislike when I see them. And it doesn't mean that I dislike the people that made it. And I think like it's really important that whenever, whatever sort of creative endeavor that you set out on, whether it be a super, super big budget video game or a tiny little independent film that's made for free fee, um, you know, you have to understand that every single person that is, is starts out on that project starts out with good intentions. They want to make something amazing. And like the amount of pieces of shit that have, that people have poured their heart and soul into are innumerable, you know? So mm. I think like the act of making the art and entertainment is a noble act in itself. And when it falls short of the expectation and people get upset, people get upset. Um, but I, I still think that, you know, you have, if you're an artist, then you have to be brave enough to kind of face up to that stuff, which is, I guess, maybe why in a long-winded way of answering your question, maybe I, why I read this stuff, because, you know, it's good and healthy to keep your feet on the ground if people, you know, are swinging, swinging at you occasionally. I've been very lucky, frankly, like I've never really been savaged in a review. I've been in some things that have been badly reviewed, but I myself have yet to they haven't really... said ronan stinks in this they haven't said yeah. ronan stinks. And that, <laughs> that's the pro that is really the issue as an actor when that does happen you know and because you know it's happened to lots of my of people that i know and people that i really respect as actors and you know i don't think that they're w w worse actors if they've got a bad write-up in something that was that person's opinion but it's hard as an actor because your name is attached to it and therefore Mm. you get to read you know the name that you've written at the top of your school stuff since 
data, you know, that's 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 you. It's not just your performance, really. Sometimes there's something in your psyche if you're not careful that I, I would imagine can can really poke at you specifically. As sorry, um, <laughs> <laughs> I can really poke at you specifically as opposed to uh, you know the character or the work or that sort of thing. So, like I said, I've been lucky. I've never really had it happen to me, but I can imagine that that when it doesn't invariably, uh, invariably happen that someone really just takes a dislike into my work I'm sure I will there, there will be something in me that takes it personally but I, I think maybe it's a good exercise in humility to to stay abreast of what people think of the work but how do you not take how do you not take it personal sometimes especially if you're like a director or a I mean it, it must be tough it's tough it's, you know? like, look, like I don't know I don't know many directors worth their salt who really give much <clears throat> credence to reviews as long as they feel yeah. like they made the film that they were trying to make. You know, I mean, I, I think that like every filmmaker sets out with an ambition of what they're trying to achieve. And if they mm. achieve that, then that has to be enough for them because, you know, <clears throat> you know, like if, if, Francis Ford Coppola was making films for reviewers. He made yeah, I get films. You know, yeah. he would have made films. Like we don't, we don't achieve greatness without falling flat on our faces occasionally. I think is the like the thing that you got to take risks. Don't you? Yeah, you have to take risks, and the nature of what we do is that you take those risks in public. So you know, mm. if you're throwing these things up to the public domain, and and look, people are paying dough for this stuff. You know, people are paying good money and these days more than ever for the last you know decade or so um you know pe people's money is hard fault and and you know people think hard about how they spend it so if they're going to spend it on entertainment they want to be impressed and if the and if and if it falls short of expectations so be it and the people are sorry who made it i'm sure they they would much prefer have made something to have made something you like but like I said, I've been lucky so far. Is that most of the things I've been made that I've been in have been pretty well received, and I myself, even when I've been in things that have not been well received, sometimes I've been praised in those things, and and you know certainly I haven't been singled out as the reason that they were bad. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, well, while we're on the topic of risk, what would you say the biggest risk you've taken in your career was? Um, I suppose it depends on what you mean by risk. Um, mm. because um, risk can be a million different things, right? Depending on what your your context is and your situation. But I guess from like a performance and a falling flat on my face in an acting uh, capacity, it probably would have been playing uh, the dual role of both Cray twins a couple of years ago for a, a small independent project called um, Cray's Code of Silence, which focused on the police officer who was trying to bring the craze in, Nipper Reed, who was played by Stephen Moyer from True Blood, is, is probably his most known thing, but he's done many things since and before. So, um, but playing both Cray twins, you know, so playing a dual role of twin brothers, doing biz effect side of things, uh, trying to create some sort of a transformation that was not just into one character, but two guys who had to be side by side and see be like, similar enough to be twins but far enough apart that they seem like two different actors and um so you're playing and, the twins yourself so right? yeah yeah so just for context I'm, yeah yeah so i'm playing ronnie and reggie 
Ray in in the film. So that is tough. I don't think I've yeah. interviewed someone that's played twins before. That is, yeah, it's tough. And there, aren't, there aren't many people who have done it. So and it, you know, mm. obviously the famous Tom Hardy portrayal of the same character. So like yep. when we funny when we were doing press for that, it was like, oh, we mentioned Tom Hardy. Um, <laughs> obviously, he, you know, he's done an icon- iconic job with that film. Like you can't, yeah. You can't, uh, you can't try to emulate that or imitate it or compare yourself against it. You know, it's like what we were talking about before. And I'm sure, you know, I'm, I don't know Tom Hardy, but I'm sure if you ask Tom Hardy that he would say, you know, fuck it, you do your, do your thing. You mm. know? The the way that you would fail by to do something like that is to get caught up in the fact that someone like Tom Hardy's done it before. Right. Like, um, so, you know, when we weren't making the same film, they, our film was made for about the the coffee budget of their film, so <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's a different it's a different animal, and so you don't compare yourself to that. But it's great fun to jump into that sandbox and play in that world and play those characters. But yeah, surely, like uh, you know, because of the scope and the time of the film, I, th- I only had about a week to shoot all of my stuff for both twins in that film. So, so oh, that, that that's kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah, so that presents its own challenges, right? Mm. Like, um. So yeah, I would say that's probably from an from a performance standpoint, that's probably the biggest risk I've taken, just because especially because I live in the UK. So um it's you know, and specifically like I, I'm sat right now talking to you from East London. So I'm surrounded by the like the exact environment that the craze lived in. So if I were to mm. go out be a terrible set of Cray twins in a film. <laughs> like I'm, I'm literally in the craze manner right now. So, so you know, the the onus was definitely there to, you know, do something that was something that I could hold my head up about when I walked out the door, you know. While we're on movies, uh, do you have a Mount Rushmore, a top four favourite films? I know so it's hard, so man. hard, I know, man, but maybe just you give us four that- on your mind now. Oh, okay. If you can. <laughs> I mean, oh, God. So, because I'm, I'm such a film fan that, like, it's really hard to just nail down four. But if it was I know, like, I know. I'm the same. So, but if it was like. You got to go to genres. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of thinking. So, rather than thinking about my top four, I'm just yep. going to think. I'm just going to say maybe the first four yep. that come to mind. That yeah. I think are really, really cool, and <laughs> that like yeah. people should see if they haven't seen them. Um, uh, Godfather Two, I think, in terms of you know, uh, epic, sto- visual storytelling, amazing performances that you know it launched the careers of a gazillion people. Um, that's that's pretty hard to beat. Like when people talk, you know, we were joking about Citizen Kane being meh. Yeah, um, the Godfather, you know, yeah. Godfather <laughs> 2. And Godfather 2 specifically. Like I, I rewatched them this weekend. I think um, two's better than one. Yeah. Uh, me too. Um, yeah. And by the way, sidebar, um, Terminator 2 as well is much better than Terminator oh, 1. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, me too. Both, te- yeah. Yeah. Both Terminator movies are amazing, but Terminator 2 is one of those rare sequels that's better. Um, anyway, yeah, Godfather Two, I would say, is just some. Uh, uh, everyone should watch all of them. You can skip through if you need to, but um, <laughs> mm. uh, everyone should watch all of them. But like two for me is when you know everyone, the whole team, has really 
fouled up by the energy and the success of the first movie and like they all just like everyone leans into what's great about it but they find so many new things uh and it had so much grander and scale than the first one so yeah godfather 2 mm-hmm. uh, i would say then true romance uh nice one yeah yeah yeah, which is because uh, I'm a bit of a Quentin Tarantino like acolyte. Uh, it really depresses me that he's making this last movie, and it, the chances are slim that I'm going to get the call from Quentin now. Uh, <laughs> you never know; he might transition to TV. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I mean, he did he did his episode of CSI. Anyway, Quentin, if you're watching, I'm available. <laughs> <laughs> he watches this show, man. So yeah, I, we'll, I play. We'll hook up a call. I've been in some stuff. Check, check my uh, call my agent. No, so but I'm a huge Quentin Tarantino acolyte. So is that um, your favorite Tarantino film for romance? Well, yeah. So, so do we call it a Tarantino film, right? Because it was written by him, but obviously directed by Tony Scott. So yeah, uh, I mean, but, yeah. But, but is that my? I mean, I don't. So I don't know if it's my favorite Tarantino movie because I love all of Tarantino's movies. Like I've been binging that movie a lot recently. But but yeah. something about that movie hit me. Um, at exactly the right time in the moment that I saw it in my life mm. and it was just like just romantic enough just violent enough just sexy enough for me to just be like totally hooked on this movie like one of those movies, and I had it on VHS and like just hooked it in my veins for a while um, and I just think that like it's one of those movies that's lightning in a bottle and like it doesn't matter who you are it's mm. actually like a low-key great date movie as well because like it's got a really, really beautiful romance at its core that everyone can get behind. Um, and it's like a tragedy, but it's funny. And there's like gangsters and violence and drugs for, for the guys to get excited about. And it's just Quentin Tarantino, just like young gunning his way through this balls out script that like, and no one had seen really that kind of writing before, you know, like it's, mm. and then like this cast that you just could not possibly put together now because everyone was just too rich, famous, amazing, <laughs> successful, like mm. Tony Scott just managed, I don't know who cast that movie, but whoever it was, like absolutely <laughs> some sort of award because I mean, uh, I just like even just the people that like have incidental parts, like Brad Pitt as the stoner on the couch, uh, I know you forget Samuel, about that Samuel L. Jackson at the start is like the like pimp drug dealer guy drug deal gone wrong at the start of the movie Gary Oldman as the like like the white Rasta guy with the big with the dreads who's like who uh who's just like one of the most evil Gary Oldman baddies ever to grace the screens um and then this like beautiful love story like sort of star-crossed lovers thing going on between Patricia Arquette and Christian Slater in the two lead roles. Um, and shout out to Val Kilmer, who plays Elvis, has like three lines and never gets any screen time. Like, it's <laughs> it's an amazing film. God, how many do you ask me for? Four. <laughs> we're, we're halfway there. We're halfway there. <laughs> um, so no, I, I knew I, you'd give me this answer. I could tell you're passionate. I love it. Yeah, yeah, both yeah. great film. Two more. Two more, right. Okay, two more. Hmm. So we're going to have to go. Well, let's keep it on the Quentin front quickly. Okay. 
just because I want to get like a real actual Quentin Tarantino movie on there as well. But I'm trying to actually maybe I'm going to come back to it. I don't know. Um, so, <laughs> so I want to just like I said, this is not a top four. I just want to like you want to reiterate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just a bunch of movies that are coming to my mind that are cool. Um, I know it's so, uh, so them, mm. but then also, uh, what else? Goodfellas. Goodfellas. In the same way that, like, because I think it was that, I think Goodfellas is, like, the exact sweet spot for me with Martin Scorsese, where he was, like, in total control of his medium. Everyone loved him. He was respected. Everyone knew him. He was the on top of his, like, he was sat there, like, arrived already. It wasn't, it wasn't scrappy. It wasn't, like, Mean Streets is an amazing film, but but like it's scrappy and raw and mm. you know and goodfellas is more put together and, more yeah yeah and, and even raging bull but like goodfellas has this sheen which matches the genre and the story mm. so well like it's like the movie it's like at the same time as all these gangsters in the movie are flexing their like you know swag their swagger um Martin Scorsese is also flexing his for in a way that I don't know he had up to that point in his career. Like there was always flashes of this like visual storytelling, but I think Goodfellas is just that perfect. And but he what? But he hadn't become such a huge thing that like he was Martin Scorsese that had to make a Martin Scorsese movie. Like he was still at the point where he could define what he was as a filmmaker. And so mm. he had like freedom. And but again, like the couple of stuff in um in uh in godfather 2 like he'd reached this point in his career where he could like do whatever the hell he wanted but still was like not so far in his career that like he did too much with that power like i feel like when i watched the irishman in contrast i felt like oh god this movie might have been cool if it was like two hours long but because it's netflix and mark and marty just like Marty, hey Marty, <laughs> uh, and, and Mr. Scorsese was given the keys to the castle. Yeah, I think it was a little uh, long. Yeah, I think it was I a thought it, I thought it maybe was like a little bit too indulgent mm. of it because it was a time that he lived and a time that he experienced, and he wanted to show everyone absolutely everything, and it was like a chance to get the band back together and all that sort of stuff. Um, you can understand, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And Ray Liotta was never better than he could pose. Like, Ray, like that, like. God rest his soul. Ray Liotta was a wonderful actor, but for me, that movie was just like he was—he was never better, truer, sexier, just more of a complete performance than that movie. Um, like Martin Scorsese just brought something out in that film that I just thought was just like magic crackling on the screen. Um, so that's three. We've done it. One more. One, One more. more. Maybe a sci-fi comedy, okay. animated. I'm just giving okay. you some ideas, floating them out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love. See, I, I love it all. Like, that, I mean, yeah, if I'm, you've just named three ten out of ten, so you're going pretty good on this yeah, yeah. makeshift top four. All right. Okay. 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 Here's my here's my curveball left field. Uh, yeah, I like. like uh, you need a yeah. curveball. Yeah. This is this is my like um, my wild card answer. 
This is not now, by it's by no means <laughs> one of the best films of all time, but it's also a movie that has again a, a real like dear place in my heart because it was one of those like VHS because I'm 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 like an 80s and 90s kid, so uh, like definitely yeah. it was one of those VHS kids. So I had this VHS tape and I've watched it over and over and over again. And there was a point in my life where I could just recite every single line. And I think it's actually good because it falls back into the original chat that we were having about uh, uh, the side chat that we were having about sequels and the occasional time when the sequel is better than the original. So the, what I'm going to go for is my wild card, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Oh, that's a good one, man. That I just movie. watched those over COVID. They they hold up, yeah. Honestly, I'm telling yeah. you that like, the message of those that those movies, but they figured it out on the second one and like went for it in a great, really wholesome way. Like the mm. messages of those movies are so pure <laughs> and like so like you know simple and easily digestible, and they're you know they're not. They're not like grand in scope or anything like that, but the, that movie like is funny, is wholesome, has like really really great performances in it, comedic performances. Isn't like cynical in the way that sometimes comedy movies can be these days. Is great for the whole family. Like literally, like it's kind of from a bygone age when people said like family movies. They actually meant family movies. Like right now, family movies mean like, you know, a digitally animated chipmunk um, that, you know, <laughs> mom and dad just yeah. about stand for an hour and a half because they throw in like a vaguely veiled double entendre every half an hour. That makes it <laughs> <laughs> like they used to genuinely That's so make true, movies. man. Yeah. Oh, man. But they used to genuinely make yeah. movies for, for everyone. Yeah. And I Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey is one of those movies. Yeah. Uh, shout out, I can't remember his name, but shout out to the guy who plays Death in the in the Oh, in the Death movie. is I was gonna say that's my favorite part of the film. I was crying laughing. You may be a king or a little street yeah. sweeper, but sooner or later you dance with the Reaper. <laughs> I love it, man. It's so oh, fun. so funny, and yeah. And there's some really great like uh callbacks and homages to other great films in it. Like you can tell that the people who made it our film lovers themselves so, um keanu reeves in particular is like awesome but both of them are um are, are great what's his name uh is, is it what's the name of the guy who, uh, this is really bad because you, if you're gonna do bill and ted stuff you should uh as always, in you as should always make the guy who isn't keanu reeves because i always feel bad that like you know keanu reeves is keanu reeves and that guy is also awesome but has not had this uh, alex career. winter alex winter that's the man so shout out alex winter shout out keanu reeves and their chemistry together is phenomenal. So yeah, I'm going from a wild card as Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, and that's <laughs> that fun. is that is a bit of a wild card compared to the first three, but I love it. No, um, jumping into games, man, you've had a a really impressive body of work in the in the gaming space over the last 10, 15 years. Uh, do you remember the first game you worked on, and and how you started getting into more of these uh, deeper and and more rich roles? Yeah, I um I need to cast my my mind back to the annals of uh, <laughs> the uh, like mid two thousands or something like that. Um, and I really just fell into the whole thing. I had no yeah. 
ambitions about being in gaming. Um, I played games occasionally. Like I played, you know, played games like I think a lot of normal kids did. I was never like a super massive into it. Had to have every system, had to, to get every game or anything. But like I had certain games that I'd like and me and my friends would play them. And sometimes I play them by myself, but I wasn't like super mad into it. Yeah. And gaming was definitely like, I, I came up, I happened to be coming up in a time when gaming was developing and, and changing and turning into kind of, you know, closer to what it is today. I was at, so I came into it, like all these things are about timing, right? So I think gaming was on the up. And one of my, because I trained in, I went to drama school UK. And shortly after drama school, I signed with an agent and then the, another agent. And then, the, but one of my early acting agents just happened to do things on the voice side of things a little bit as well. And so he would put me up for stuff on both sides of things, you know, little film and TV things, little theater things, um, and the occasional voice gig, you know, like little corporate things as well. And then one day he just said, hey, do you want to go in for an audition for a video game? I was like, okay. Um, and I got it. And it turned out that it was, what the heck was it called? Um, was it League of Legends? No. You know what? That's, no? It's, that's, no, that's misleading because it's on um, my IMDb as last because that game had come out first. But I actually did that character much later in my career. So, But the release oh, date okay. of that game oh of course yeah, yeah yeah, i get it yeah yeah so because that's a thing where they're constantly adding characters and dlc and stuff my character actually wasn't added till many years later so that's a thing that uh, uh, so would it be dragon age 2 dragon age 2 that's the one yeah, yeah wow that's a pretty good game by the way as well yeah 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 and and it, the game did well and it's not like i was you know front and center in the game but the company that i that was doing that game obviously liked my work and they kept getting me back in and then gradually I got a couple more and I got a couple more and and um that was Bioware yeah yes yeah at the so, time but, yeah yeah so and uh but the way that it works is I don't you don't generally have contact with Bioware directly until you get the gig and you're in doing the work because usually it's done through um like an audio oh. subcontractor a person in your country that has audio recording facilities and then they approach your agent and the agent yeah. brings you in. So, um, so oftentimes, often you'll get these things. You won't know it's Bioware or Ubisoft or Dan Busters or whoever it is until after you've got the gig and you're actually in the booth and someone shows up on, on cans and goes, Hey, I'm so-and-so from so-and-so wherever <laughs> you go. Oh, cool. Yeah. At that point, at that point, you're usually NDA, NDA up to the eyeballs and you can't say a word. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, sometimes these things are a surprise. I mean, honestly, in terms of Dead Island, I think <laughs> it was so secretive <laughs> that I didn't know what I was working on until like six months into the project. Like, <laughs> like shit. I, like I knew they told me obviously like plot and story and things that I needed to know as an actor, but I didn't know that it was the Dead Island franchise until way into my into the development process of, of yeah it was called, <laughs> it was called, in fact still you know i've had emails about it obviously this week with um with release and stuff and like so, and but they're all tagged on to the previous emails that from stuff that i was doing in development and they're still called the code name for the game 
still it's still not called Dead Island Two on my emails. It's called something else. So um, yeah, wow. And did you? When was the first time you did mocap? And did you get to do mocap for Dead Island Two? I'm curious. Well, actually, that's an interesting story. My the first time that I did Dead Island. I mean, did sorry, did mocap. The first time that I did mocap was for a game. Was that Crisis? No, that was the first time that I did mocap for a game that came out. Um, oh, okay. Um, but I don't, know, I don't know if I can say that. Maybe I can say it. I no, can no, you can it. say it. Just don't don't go into details on the game that didn't release. Yeah. Well, but it did release. This is the thing. So oh, my, okay. So my. Uh, I'm not going to say I'm not going to say the name of the game just because no, I don't no, no. Yeah, yeah. and I don't know but there was a very what ended up being a very very big game. Yep. In the horror genre. I'll give you I'll give okay. I'll give you some easter eggs. There's a Yep. There was a very big eventually horror genre released game that I had done my very very first mocap gig on many years before it eventually came out. Um and then I had always wondered, like, I'd been promised X amount of mocap and I'd gone in for like two or maybe three sessions or something like that. And then, and then never heard anything. And it was really weird. And then my agent said that, oh, you know, I don't know, it's gone away. Mm. And then three, four years later, then I heard that um, they were redeveloping that basically the studio had shut down and they'd sold the ip a different studio was developing it with a whole bunch of different actors um and then it ended up coming out and being a huge hit <laughs> um, wow. um that's so crazy without, without me in it um but with a very good cast um but it was okay because the people who made that game then did employ me again on other stuff so the, clearly it was not again not me that sent the project. <laughs> well, it's yeah, clear yeah. it's making stuff out there that it's not me that it's not me. <laughs> um, yeah, so no, that so that was my actual first official mocap gig. But yes, I think the first mocap I ever did was Crisis. Um, and then that was followed shortly after by um, there may have been some other stuff in between, but the first uh, and really probably the biggest, most extensive mocap job that I've ever done was on Battlefield 3. Um, oh, yeah. I, uh, where I played Montez, who was the, not the player character, but the kind of best friend of the player character. So who was obviously next to the player for the whole game, or I mean, not for the whole thing, but, you know, for large, large, large portions of the game. So he was kind of, which is actually from an actor's perspective, if you're thinking about it from ego and you're trying to get your face on the camera or on the screen, it's actually better than the player character because most yeah, it of is actually <laughs> so it really is yeah that, that's a voice gig whereas if you're the best friend then you're like they're looking hey how you doing you know? <laughs> yeah um, uh so you're actually your face is in a lot more so uh montez was a really great character he was lots of fun he was directed by a guy called tom keegan um who i always try to shout out tom when i'm when i'm on things like this because he's a really really phenomenal motion capture director and he has been responsible for some of the biggest AAA titles going and he's as well as giving me work 
plenty of times down the years. He's just a really good friend as well, and he's a really good guy. And he works with actors in mocap in games in a way that I don't know that um, tons of directors do. He's very actor-centric and treats it more like black box theater than anything else. Um, You're not so, the first person to mention him. I'm, I'm just trying to remember what he's worked on. Uh, um, I mean, basically, any big triple-A shooter that you care to mention is, is probably had Tom Keegan's... Uh, sticky little fingers all over it at some point he's really really prolific in terms of that sort of stuff yeah Take his name into imdb yeah uh, he and i you know he he also brought me out to berlin to do um facial and voice for a character um in wolfenstein first blood i believe it was called the one that was like the wolfenstein prequel um so oh yeah, man this guy's resume it is this guy's he the has, Scorsese of gaming. <laughs> yeah, I really couldn't think of a mocap director who has a better CV than, no. than yeah, in terms of games. So, and Tom, Tom really, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm blessed to call him friend, and and I, we don't see each other often, but on these things like this, I always like to give him a shout out because he is. If you want to work, if you want to work with the best in terms of mocap directing in games he's the guy and he makes it really easy and as a result i feel like that montez performance and the performances in battlefield 3 in general um are really really top notch um for games especially at the time you know it was a time when mocap in games and performance in games real performance you know where cap app performance capture as opposed to motion capture was really i don't know if in its infancy is too strong but was certainly something that was only coming into the public consciousness in a really, really strong way at that moment. So, um, you know, and if you look at it now, obviously it doesn't stand up. The facial capture doesn't stand up. Maybe I, to... I think the performances do and the, and the game, I think it does. Maybe not from a graphical sense. Yeah. No, that's what I mean. Just from, a, you yeah. know, if you look, if you look at the facial capture now, it's yeah. Bonkers. But, but I think, yeah, but I think we, it was the time when Battlefield 3 came out was a time when really for the first time a you could get a performance through the through the volume you know you could really could capture mm -hmm. a performance. I think we and with with the team that we had on that we we managed to really utilize that and Tom particularly you know he's the he's the captain of that ship so I remember loving that game and that was that would have been 10 years ago now hey even longer easily, maybe 12 easily I'd say. yeah yeah shit 2011 damn man yeah. Great game. David Montez. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so for Dead Island 2, did you get to go in or was it all voice? Hmm. Funnily enough. Yeah. Uh, fun fact. I don't know if this is, I don't know if this is out anywhere. I did actually go up and do some mocap for them, which was lovely. Um, obviously because Ryan is a player character, um, like we were just saying, it's all through his eyes. So you don't, there is not tons of mocap to do. And it was mainly a voice gig. And it was obviously extensive hours in the voice studio doing doing Ryan that way. But I was really, really chuffed to be invited up by the Dan Busters guys to go and do the mocap for Ryan in the pre-character selection cutscene stuff. So like in the pre-plane stuff, when they're getting onto the plane um, before the crash. When you, before you select your character and you kind of get those little introductions to them. That's all you, yeah, yeah. So that, so that was all. They, I got they invited me up there to go and do the mocap for that, which was lovely. So, um, so yeah, um, I did get to get done the dots for, for Ryan, <laughs> but not, but only a little bit. 
And then I think, um, I think we did some, if I remember correctly, I think we maybe did some facial like movement capture as well. Yeah. And what did they tell you about Ryan? I know like he had a, was there something about uh, being an exotic dancer or something, or he owned a strip club uh, yeah, or something so like Ryan, that? Yeah. So I believe in the 2014 iteration of, and again, you know, it's weird because that job that I didn't get or it didn't finish that horror game that we were talking about before, you know, this sort of a similar thing I'm sure happened with whoever did the original iteration of, of Dead Island 2 in 2014 or whenever it was that, you know, it didn't come out. Um, yeah, no, so, it's, it does um, happen every now and again. Yeah. yeah. So I think in that iteration of it, he was a firefighter. But then for our one, they decided that they were going to kind of keep the character and the build and the model of that, but that he wouldn't be a firefighter, that he'd be a, like a stripper that that had um, that had happened to be dressed as a fire firefighter when the zombie apocalypse hit. So he's now <laughs> rolling around town, kind of like feeling off this thing that people think he's a firefighter when he's not. So I thought that was a really fun idea. And how did you project your voice? How did you get into the into the role? What did, what were you going for? Because it it felt like to me you were having a lot of fun. Because I've I've actually someone's uploaded all your voice lines. It's about two and a half <laughs> hours long. Yeah, on YouTube, Holy you got to check shit. it out. Two and a half hour wow. long video with the efforts, the zombie, the rage shit, everything. Wow. It's hilarious if you look at it. It's all just together, like it's all together. Yeah. Holy moly! <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll link it to you, but um. Yeah, send it to me. I, I can't promise that I'll sit there and listen to all two and a half hours. <laughs> a no. little bit insane, but um, I, I technically already have playing through the game <laughs> with Ryan. But you know, <laughs> um, wow. Well, I mean, that's shout out to that person. Um, that's great. You know, the fans have been great and amazing, and and I'm always surprised by the mad things that sometimes gaming fans are willing to do for their for the games that they love, but. Uh, what was the original question? Sorry, that's blowing my mind that someone's done that. No, no, uh, I was just saying, how did you get into the character? How did you find the voice? Oh, yeah, yeah. That sort of thing, yeah. Well, look, Ryan was really fun. Uh, fun. Fun was kind of the main, like, you hit the nail on the head. Fun is the, the main kind of bullet point for, I think, the game and for the character. And I think what I was really trying to give him a quality of was like a, like a wry cynicism where he's that guy who you know he's calm and unflappable under pressure and is usually willing to find humor to you know puncture the the suspense in some way you know he's that person who's like gonna crack a little joke even if it's just to himself you know even in these really bonkers situations just because <laughs> you know and you know and Dan Buster's were really great by the way um, in terms of giving me a little bit of freedom and letting me have some fun with the dialogue. You know, they very much weren't tied to the script. So if I wanted to have a little fun... Riff, yeah. Riff and ad-lib, they were really, really open to all of that stuff. And the way that we tended to record it, you know, sometimes these things are very stilted and you record, right, I'm going to do three of this line and then I'm going to do three of this line and then I'm going to do three of this line and I'm going to do three of this no line. No breathing room, no, no riffing, yeah. 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 Whereas with this, we really tried to, even though we were in the booth, um, we tried to play it as much like a real scene as possible. And, you know, for instance, like, I don't know if you know the, if you remember this sequence with the clown, um, the fight sequence with the clown, um, 
but that that's that's that clown kind of scared the shit out of me man scared the shit out of me too. <laughs> this was, but this was a great way to record it because they like with that fight scene with the clown um oh they played in front of you yeah so that's that cool fight scene, so that fight scene there are a couple of lines that they needed obviously like uh you know no what was it no climbing on the ride or whatever when they kicks them off but for a lot, for a lot, big, big stretches of that sequence, there was no lines. It just says, you know, Brian runs, Brian jumps, Brian this, that, the other. But so the way that we did that was they just basically got a very, very crude early version of the scene up. And they were like, okay, like play that. Um, and so that's got to be fun. So, yeah, but a lot of those things are, are just improvised because it's, you know and that's great for an actor to do that you know like for like it's almost like a almost you know virtual reality they strap you in you try to live that for a minute you put your, all your breaths and efforts as if you're having to jump and do all this stuff and then um and you might say things along the way um that you wouldn't do if they were just like okay now we're going to record you doing five jumps can you make them three seconds long and you know because it, it, and it, it, so it was organic and in a way that and sometimes it's not so um so yeah that that i think breeds like a freshness into it and allows the fun to come out of it and for and as an actor it allowed me to find who ryan was in a way that sometimes you don't get the opportunity you know um sometimes it's just a case of you know trying to squeeze things in but you know working in a much more construct uh constrictive framework whereas um the guys at um Dan Busters for Dead Island were really keen to let us find the personalities of these slayers I think that's a really great way to do it actually just sort of keep it keep it a bit more loose I feel like it's a bit more organic for the player as sure. well you know for sure um you know and I think it's I think more and more people are look different games require different things. You know, this is very much narratively focused, uh, mood driven game that is after a certain tone, right? Um, that yeah, this, that, that might not work for The Last of Us per se or right. something like that, yeah. Well, I think, to be honest, I think probably for The Last of Us, I mean, if they would, I think they probably would work for The Last of Us if they were you gonna think? have to do they just do mocap all the time, though, right? Well, I, I, yeah, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I meant like the tone, but it, but it wouldn't. But it probably wouldn't work if you were doing like a fighting game, you know, like a mm. fighting game uh, that has cutscenes and vague story stuff, you know, like a Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat type thing, you know, like definitely, you, have, you know, that. So, like, sometimes game mechanics affect the way that the game is made, and that's just something that, you know you have to be malleable with and patient with sometimes and, but sometimes works to your advantage. So mm. um, definitely for a game like this, that's so narratively where the, the narrative, the focus is so much on the personality of the slayers. I mean, I, I had no idea. Well, this is one thing I had no idea about. I had no idea that the, that the, that there would be so much focus in the game and the, in the release of the game and in the game mechanics about this, this idea of choosing your own slayer and how each, Slayer has, even though you, the story is effectively the same, that your experience is very different because it really of, is mm. because of the, 
different, um, you know, uh, personalities that you're spending your, your runtime with. Uh, I, I, I didn't really have a concept of how important that would be until quite late on in the process. And, and then you started seeing coming together. You're like, oh, wow, I really, I really think this is a cool thing, you know, because I've definitely played like it's a problem, right? The for developers to deal with on every game that is first person is like striking that balance of personality for the player, right? Do you want do you want your player to be just a totally mute surrogate that doesn't say a word? And you know, they or do you want your player to be someone that is like an engaging part of the story? Um or do you want to find some way uh, and is that too constrictive you know like is it just because some people want to play as ryan you know i totally understand that there's a whole bunch of people who probably wouldn't want to play a game as like some beefcake fireman stripper you know that's <laughs> totally makes sense to me especially in 2023 but actually always like you know and it's but it's so it's a really cool thing that like what whoever you are whatever you tickles your pickle you there's someone for you in the Slayer Six, you know, and I think that's a really cool thing. It's a like it's an inclusive thing without beating you over the head with it. It's also, but it's also just a really fun game mechanic that allows for like re replayability. It also allows for like a much more interesting story to be told. So I just think it's like win, 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 win for all that. Sort of and you've also, I mean, did, did it affect you at all? knowing that you were one of six did it because i also noticed that you've all got different lines you know as you said it's completely different there's gameplay changes but there's also yeah. the lines are different the delivery the feeling and when you figure that out when you find that out does that change the way you do things at all or did it affect um did it change the development at all from maybe like a practical standpoint does that make sense I mean I mean, I'm sure on the development side of things, I'm sure it changed things a hell of a lot. There was, there were times when like, basically the rule of thumb was you just had to get your lines in to like time windows, right? Right. So, so that it would match with the stuff that's going on in the scene. But that was things that they, like really they keep away from me and I would us as much as possible because they wanted us to be focused on our own performances I, I don't know if i was affected too much by being one of six i thought it was a cool idea from the start um you worry about it i guess like the only like an, an ego thing goes like no i'm only one to six i'm not the main guy like i suppose maybe there could be in that a temptation to feel that way but i never felt it it was like it, it's cool man like you know it's uh and especially when you know you're doing this as you're reading the scripts for this game. And now that everyone's played this game, you see how cool the scripts are. Like, this yeah. is like, it was, it was clear from fairly early doors that this was not just a bunch of people who were going through the motions and we're gonna, we're just like, you know, doing something to squeeze out a game that they thought they might make some cash on. It felt like, you know, you were working with people that were passionate about a project um, and had taken time to make it funny, to make it, clever to make it poignant at times and it was a pleasure to play so i i just really like tried to make ryan fun make him cool like I, we always 
Like I, I feel like for me, Ryan like has a a flavor of like that wry humor of like Bruce Willis and Die Hard. You know what I mean? That kind of like just like that guy who's making gags while he's like just shaking his head, like oh, for fuck's sake, like mm. like like uh, of course, like as someone who's just someone who's resolved the fact that to the fact that like life is real shitty sometimes if you just kind of laugh got to laugh your way through it a little bit um and and so like to dial up up and down that level of like cynicism occasionally was like the really easily modulable thing to do um but so i didn't and, but they kept us all totally separate so we had no um we had no idea what the other slayers were up to. So, so you've never just, met any of the other actors, even on that, met them, that scene. Never yeah. Wow. Them, never, never connected in any way, shape or form. No. So, Damn. Uh, so we all just, you know, which I think is a great way to do it actually. I mean, I'd love to meet them now because we have a shared experience. Yeah. Um, but, but I thought that was cool because, you know, in our sessions, we were just totally focused on Ryan's story and, and the truth of the way that Ryan would play it. And, um, and you know we played all the scenes as dialogue even if you know we weren't playing sometimes i was playing to video sometimes i was playing to playback of audio that they had from video but that they didn't have visuals for yet sometimes i was doing dialogue with the director of the session who was reading in for the other characters but i was always having a dialogue and that comes through you know so it just meant that you were able as an actor to play it out, play the story out as truthfully as you could, you know, kind of gave you and room. Do to. they, do they, I know you haven't met the cast, but do they not do rap parties or anything in, in gaming? Is it not a typical thing? Just because uh, it's well, all around the world, I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it, no, I don't it, think. <laughs> it definitely has been known. Um, I, don't think it happened with this one. I think they, I think they actually did have a little party up at Dan Buster's, but that's not down in London. So it's, um, and I think the cast. I'm not sure where the cast is all based. So I'm not 100 percent sure whether they're all UK based or not. So no, they're not. Um, yeah. No. So it's um, you. You probably know much better than I do. So, but yeah, because it's an international thing, I don't think it's as yeah. done. But I have been to some before. Um, For gaming, yeah. Yeah, and I've been invited to ones that I haven't been able to make. Like, for instance, Battlefield 3 had a big one in Sweden, which is where oh, this, yeah. um, the developer was. So, um, so yeah, they happen, but they're not they're not this sort of, as of yet, uh, it's not like a thing I've been flown across the world to do yet. I'm, I'm open to it, though. <laughs> <laughs> now, man, I've I, I got to ask you about this. So who were, who were, let's just clarify, who did you play in Cyberpunk? 2077. So I played a whole bunch of character, little incidental characters actually in Cyberpunk when I did that. But the big ones that I did, so the characters that are, I think are most memorable would have been Joshua, right? Joshua, who is the guy who the crucifixion. Man, guy. we have we have to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. That and is also, that is crazy. Oh, the clown as well. The clown with the grenade for them. Yeah. Speaking of clowns, yeah. He was he was hilarious from memory. He was he was a bit of a bastard from Oh yeah. Yeah, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, he's... And he's a big cult character in, in Brazil as well. 
So it was um it was a terrifying prospect to take on. But mm. so talk to me about Joshua because when I played that mission, yeah, I was talking to Sheremy Lee who who plays female V, mm. which you probably never met because it was probably all voice, but. And she was just saying how crazy it was when she was delivering the lines for that. And I want to know your experience because you are the character. I couldn't believe it. And man, Um, you put on a hell of a performance for that. I mean, I was in, I was, yeah, I I can't remember a mission that engaging in a long time. It was crazy. Thank you so much. And yeah, it was, it was, it was a wild moment. That one came up. (laughs) Again, these things you don't, because of, non-disclosure and you don't get to see these things necessarily always ahead of time um so that you know you get given it and they're like oh we have a little read of that and then we're gonna go come do it um and yeah cyberpunk was an interesting job in general because a lot of the narrative stuff like the philosophical stuff in cyberpunk some of it was was pretty deep and that in particular was was a hell of a was a hell of a little ride actually like we go through these sometimes quite transcendental um moments in the voice booth sometimes and sometimes they sneak up on you and take you by surprise and you find yourself because you know as an actor you try to play these things and get yourself into these mindsets whether you i don't know for i can only speak for myself but i try to use whatever method i can to make myself feel it just as much as i would as if i was on a film set because i think i do have a genuine belief that it does come across in the vocal performance if you mm. you don't you're not just reading the lines you really try to act it and so so you know you're using all the tricks of your trade to to really get yourself to the, that place and that's a you know the place that joshua gets himself to is is a very very dark one um so mm. so yeah to play that to to play that stuff is 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 uh is hard it's challenging it's fun in a weird way because you're getting to stretch you know the muscles of of your imagination your creativity in ways that you don't often get to and the and the narrative uh the narrative thread in that game is is again so strong you know like that's the i think like if you can take anything away from like the ones that pop up in the cv is the ones that are cool it's always the ones that are character driven and and have aspire to big ideas even if they don't always attain them you know like cyberpunk didn't we all know that cyberpunk on release didn't achieve all of the goals that it set out to achieve on release you know there was a big there was a lot of problems on the technical level with the game and um and a lot of and it got really really savage for that because people have been waiting for it and it had been so expectant of it but you know but no one ever no one ever critiqued the story not to that level that story no. and the characters were amazing. Well, and this is it, right? And so when you have, this is a great example of, you know, people who are aspiring to an artistic goal and really, you know, achieve 99% of it, but then we're savaged by, we're right back to the start of our chat, right? Because then you're back, then they were savaged by by reviewers and bloggers and, you know, all all of the people who speak on these things because of, you know, that really, really troublesome 5% or 1% or whatever it is of the game that, you know, doesn't work right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that was, the release of that game is kind of shrouded a little bit 
um, in this cloud of like oh, bugs, 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 bugs. And you know, I think that sometimes I, I think now in in over the passing of time, people have come to realize that like it's a really, really cool game. Oh, now but, it's in a much better shape. Yeah, technically. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, so but yeah, to play that character, and you know, you you just you get given it, and and it's an exciting thing, and you try to in this in the amount of time that you have find as much truth in it as you can and and i was and some and I, oddly i think i think sometimes there is a part of me that thinks sometimes these things find you they find you because they're right for you you know like i i you feel like you were meant for that role i mean i definitely felt i've always been very very interested in the actual act of crucifixion in terms of the story because i was raised in a writ from religiously i was a bit of a mixed bag in the way that i was brought up because of because of the way that things worked out with my family i was raised kind of quite a lot by my grandmother as well so my grandmother was like a and still is um shout out bobby um she is uh, is uh you know incredibly devout spiritual woman who practices like the russian orthodox i was gonna say you have a, a an irish father and a russian mother right, That's right. yeah yeah, yeah. And, and then my, my mother who was born into russian orthodoxy um kind of shunned it a little bit and became a Nitran buddhist and then my dad was always wow. um a bit of an agnostic you know like someone who yeah. was willing to believe in something spiritual and past something past the visible but but he wasn't going to church every sunday yeah he was certainly not going to church. So, <laughs> yeah well i had this like but like but the russian orthodox uh services whether you believe in god or not are incredibly powerful like audio visual spectacles right like there's okay. the music is like the haunting the choral music for the like russian orthodox church is unbelievably haunting and moving and um the candles and the lights and the incense and the and the and the robes and all that stuff was always something that like i was transfixed by as a kid but also had these other influences where it was like a healthy skepticism about the whole thing was kind of definitely encouraged from a lot of angles but um but the act of the crucifixion itself always seemed like such a like whether you believe in it or not, as a story, as an allegory, the act of the crucifixion, you know, for something so visceral to like nails through the hands, nails through the feet, dangle from your arms till your shoulders break in the name of sacrificing yourself for someone else or for others. Like I always thought that that was just this like incredibly powerful symbol in the same way that like, you know, the person who put themselves in front of the tank in Tenement Square was an incredibly powerful symbol. Or, uh, you know, the monk the um, who set himself on fire, you know, there's that famous picture on the, the um, Rage Against the Machine cover of that monk who set himself on fire. Um, and, you know, I just, so when Joshua came up, I, it was something that I had, I had always like, there's not many times that you get to <laughs> explore. You couldn't it. have seen a script like that before in a game. I mean, yeah. you must've gone, what? Wow. 
What yeah, is of this? course, it's wild, and like yeah. you don't think, you don't think as an actor you're going to get an op- even if something interests you, you don't know whether every like the things that interest you are going to pop come along for you, you know. And I mean, weird story that I can't really tell in a podcast, but there was a time a million years ago where I narrowly missed out on playing Jesus in a movie. <laughs> um, wow, uh, that was then, yeah, and so like. That stuff was always like, and obviously I, I'd spent like a good few weeks, like maybe a, a month or so in, in maybe, maybe going to get this Jesus part. And I spent a lot of time thinking about all that stuff. So like when Joshua came up, it was really cool to be able to be like, oh, wait, I think if I go back into a drawer somewhere in my mind, I think I've actually, you know, I've been here before in some, for, for a lot of the, the thought processes. Um, I think that actually came through in the performance too, maybe a little bit of that. You might maybe. have brought a little bit of that to it. Well, yeah. I'd like I'd like to think so. You know, it's but you as an actor, you're constantly just like, you know, like no one suffers imposter syndrome worse than actors because we're actually like the name of the game is sometimes winging it. Like sometimes you can do yeah. all the prep in the world, but sometimes you have to rely on instinct and and that's why, you know, working hard is an important thing. You know, that like that's a misconception about actors is that like because improvisation and thinking on your feet is an important part of the gig and when you make it look good it seems effortless um a lot of people get the misconception that like ah anyone could just be an actor you know but actually i think that a lot of that ease and that ability to just be spontaneous comes from the preparation right um so yeah maybe if i hadn't have had that near miss of playing jesus a long time ago then joshua wouldn't have been such an engaging engaging character you never know i mean it's, it's a funny funny how these things and what's crazy about that is that the quest comes about so randomly and i remember driving and then some police car came and if you if you shoot something or do something so simple you never see the quest at all there's hundreds of thousands of people that never saw it i uploaded my channel now where's this dan i never saw this and it's this whole deep quest it goes for hours it's crazy and it's just oh man well that's the crazy thing about that's the crazy thing about that game right it's just the depth and the scope of it i mean when when we were everyone was everyone was excited about that from the moment that the game got going you know they were coming off um the back of the witcher and they were like, well, okay, now we're going in. Um, so, so yeah, for sure. I think that like that's the cool thing about that game is that, you know, in terms of replayability, I'd imagine from a player's point of view, like it doesn't get much cooler than that. Like if you're on your second play of Cyberpunk, and then you find a mission like that, mm. get in the first time because you said something slightly different, you know, twenty moves ago. And even um, throughout the quest, there's different endings to your that yeah, quest yeah, yeah. as well. I mean, it's just so branching, isn't it? Yeah, I actually have had fans have sent me that some of those, and and it is really cool to see all the different ways it can play out. Because it's funny, you know, you get so sometimes, like I said, you do these things, and then such a long period of time passes, and you know, I do a lot of games, so sometimes. I forgot what I did, you know, like there's a detachment. Ah, of course, yeah. In a weird way, you leave the character in the booth. And and I mean, Ryan was a little bit different because I spent so long with Ryan. And You're not going to forget Ryan, yeah, yeah. No, and I was pumped about Ryan coming out. I've been, I've been excited to talk about Dead Island for 
a long time. It's great. Because um, I knew he was going to be, I didn't know if the game was going to be a huge smash, but I knew that like, that he was going to be a fun performance of mine that I wanted people to enjoy. Um, yeah. Well, the game and, sold a million already, so it's doing pretty well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A million in the first weekend, man. That was pretty, pretty damn impressive. Um, and it's really cool that people are responding so well to it. It's, it's been, it's been really great to, to, cause I was nervous, you know, this is my, however, I don't know, you'd probably count them up and tell me it'd be easier than I could, but I don't know how many games I've done, but I've done 45 on the books 45. here. Yeah. Holy moly. And that's the ones that, that you know about. Yeah. Um, yeah there's probably yeah. a few coming. Hey, eh? yeah. I, I think I'll be having you back. Hey, eh? yeah, there's a few coming. So, um, so I've done a lot of them, but I, think unless i'm very much mistaken this is my very very first player character so i had been worried not worried but i've been a little bit nervous about that that because i've never done it yeah, before you know? people are spending a lot longer with you and it's a lot it's easy to not be annoying when people <laughs> are spending you know make even you know 50 percent of the time with you or but like the longer that people have to spend with you incrementally like the likelihood that you're going to annoy them somehow it gets greater and greater and greater so i was a little bit nervous that there would there would be an element of that but it's been really cool because the game has been like roundly well received everyone's really loved it um everyone seems to enjoy ryan as well um and it seems to be a bit of an event game like people are talking about it in uh non just strictly gaming gaming circles it's something that people like seems to have a bit of a wide reach so um so it's super exciting man it's great and look ryan ain't dead that's a that's a funny thing that like for my whole career i've been playing people that because of the nature of the some of the characters that i played like a lot of early doors characters i was playing like a lot of soldiers guards cia agents guys like that um and those guys for sure have a high death count in things that <laughs> so like it's always been like a running joke in, in between my family and my friends about like i'll tell them i got a gig and they're like oh do you do you survive and <laughs> nine times out of ten i have to be like nope i bite it on page 85 or whatever or you know oh uh, yeah after a page sometimes it's like oh yeah i make it to nearly the end but like then i get stabbed in the neck or whatever um but on this one hey look uh, okay, maybe actually, maybe you need to cut that out. But um, uh, no, spoilers, no, that's that's fine for, for spoilers. But I guess if you're watching this, you probably played it. Um, so uh, you know, Ryan is Ryan is very much um, still uh, alive and kicking. So so I'd, I'd love to jump back into the world, man. It'd be so much fun. I'm gonna give you two, a couple more because I know I gotta you gotta run. Um, do you remember with Ryan doing? the the rage scenes for the first time that's a really fun scene as a player when you know it's the first time you use the powers and, and the efforts how is that in the booth uh man like always with that sort of stuff i think it's always really key to like get physical with it you know like actually oh so you're yeah, a zombie yeah. in the booth you're, you're yeah doing yeah it. for sure, sure. I, I zombie out in the booth for sure i think it helps to engage the voice when you engage your body, you know? Um, and it actually helps you to do that sort of stuff without hurting yourself as well. You know, like if I just ask you to scream at the top of your lungs from where you're sat now without changing your physicality in any way, um, you'll probably hurt yourself. If I ask you to do it 20 times, you know, um, 
but if you add some sort of a, like an engagement with your body you're more likely to instinctively use like the your diaphragm and the muscles that you need in your body to to a give it truthfully whatever that effort is but also to not fuck yourself up um yeah because it because it comes from a more grounded physical place rather than you just squeezing your lungs and as hard as you can and squeezing your throat and all that sort of stuff so so yeah i'm always always trying to add physicality into the booth even though no one's ever going to see it um, another character like i do scott tyler for the forza games um for the, the radio dj for the forza games and he brilliant games he, by the way they're amazing thanks. yeah thanks yeah and scott's again tons of fun to play because he he's a very upbeat crazy guy and yeah so, so we play um you know we play tunes in the studio in, into my cans when we're doing it i'm dancing around i'm jumping oh, around that's cool i'm having a mad time like I, like literally i go in and have a little mini rave with myself when i do scott tyler so um you've done that for every forza haven't you that's crazy that you've been in every one yeah someone um some someone posted on twitter i i, I wasn't aware until they told me but apparently i am the only character that's done all of them so yeah pretty cool and it's pretty cool yeah yeah. No, that's 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 amazing, man. That you've had um, such a, an amazing body of work, and there's so much more I want to talk to you about. But I know you got to run. Um, one more. What character do you think from the ones that you've maybe not had as much time with? Which one mm -hmm. would you love to revisit and and get to flesh out a bit more? Ooh, that is a good question. Well, okay, so I figured out a way to turn your last question yeah. into a nice little plug for me. <laughs> no, yeah. that's fine. Please. An interview. That is a great uh, skill, yeah. So Yeah, that's the floor. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, so actually there's a character that um I can't really say too much about at all. Um yeah. but um, who is coming up very, very soon. I think, I hope um, Apple TV and Amblin have said, um, or in the press, I think as of December, they were talking about a mid-spring 2023 release. So uh, taking them at their word, that it'll be out really soon, um, is Masters of the Air, um, which was directed by um, Kari Joji Fukunaga, um, who wow. is the... Yeah, you know who that is, um, and was produced by Tom Hanks and, and Steven Spielberg. It's the um, continuation of the Band of Brothers and Pacific uh, series of mini series of TV shows. So, um, and this wow, one, yeah, and this is and the character that I played in this, uh, and in that show, I really obvious for obvious reasons. I've probably already said too much, um, but it's on the IMDb, so I'm say it. But that character, obviously was incredible fun to play and and I it's I'm not speaking out of turn saying that Austin Butler is in it um and I was lucky enough to to get to you know do some stuff with him and that but by the nature of those shows you know because unless you're Austin Butler or one of the other you know top five or six in the cast especially in those band brothers specific shows it's very much a case of you come on you have your sequence and scene and um and then you know they're off 
flying off into the sunset, almost literally. Um, and you were just very happy to have had your little part in the circus. Um, but that character, as I hope, I hope when it comes out, I hope that, um, why did I make the cut? Let me just put, um, but, you know, that character, I think, given that sometimes on those military things, it can be a little bit, um, you always want to do it because it's such a cool thing to be a part of, but it can be a little bit sort of yes or no, sir, three bags full, sir. It's hard to find, you know, cool character, full parts. But I think I was lucky um, in that, the though it's a small role, I had some fun stuff to do. Again, opposite Austin Butler, which was, which was, an amazing experience and lovely to work with him and he's a phenomenal talent um uh, you know <laughs> the academy agrees so it's hard to argue um yeah, man. he was so, he was so good at elvis he couldn't shake it for a little bit <laughs> yeah, that's right that's right so uh, um and you know when we when i worked with him he was just off the back of that he'd just come out of quarantine from fly, flying over from australia so. from australia yeah so so he so that was that was a really cool thing, and that character, like I said, because it was a bit more, it was a bit more characterful than might, you might expect sometimes with the casting breakdowns that might come off a project like that. And I did have fun with him on the time that I was there. I would I would have loved to have gone back and and had more fun with that because you know he felt like there was enough in there that that you could do more with him. But <laughs> look, yeah, that show, that show is about something much more important than me and um and you know honors the men who who did you know incredible feats uh, at a time when the world really needed them so so i was just happy to go along and play my play my part um and do the dance you know with some one of the best guys doing it right now so um can't wait so that, for that to come out yeah that'll be great yeah i mean me neither i'm waiting with bated breath i'm just, i'm waiting for a trailer and a release date like everyone else so awesome um, man but, but yeah, if if like you were to reach into my brain box and be like, hey, what job over the last couple of years would you like <laughs> love to go and just like have a few extra scenes or like an extra episode where you're in it? Be like, yeah, I guess I could go back and like yeah, you know, <laughs> and carry for carry for a while. You know, that's not, <laughs> that's not like too terrible of a way to spend an afternoon. So, Paul, what about were you in The Dark Knight? Like for oh, like. Right very 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 barely yes i was yeah was but with, was that yeah. with heath ledger your scene or was it with with no Christian? my scene my scene um was with actually neither my scene was on the boat um in, oh yeah on, yeah on the prisoner boat yes yeah. I, yep. I was on the prisoner boat um and i'm i'm the prison guard on the boat that there's a big close-up of that you see that like when it when they all think they're about to get blown up, I'm like this young puppy, fat-faced kid who's like about to, he's like in his guard uniform but he's like about to cry, and he like and so they got this shot of me crying like this close-up of me just like like welling up with tears in my eyes because I think the boat's about to blow up, and then I got a couple of other nice little close-ups and stuff but that's I still had, pretty cool man that's that's yeah. like the highest-rated film on IMDb or one-off like. Yeah, I Crazy. know, man. Look, I had, I think I had a line uh, and it got cut. Well, actually, no, I tell you what, here is an interesting tidbit to end on. If you go onto IMDb, I think I'm credited as prisoner, right? I think. Anyway. Yeah, I thought, I thought, you were, yeah. Oh, no. I think I'm, no, on IMDb, 
I think I'm credited correctly, I believe. Um, no, no, prisoner, it says here. Prisoners, okay. Yeah, it is, there yeah. Go. There you go. So, But, but that's wrong. Play, but that's wrong. I play a prison guard, and that is because on the morning of that sequence that we were shooting, Chris Nolan came up and kind of like did a lineup, did a rundown of, of who was doing what. And um, he was just like, he was like, no, no, you look, uh, you look more like a guard to me. Let's swap you out. So like, so he did a swap on the day and gave me this other character that was actually more pronounced in the film. So I was like, oh, cool. I'll do sure. That. But, Thanks, uh, Chris. I, just, I, I was standing next to Tiny Lister. So I got to, so I got a little bit more camera time, I guess. Um, and meanwhile, like, you know, Wally Pfister, one of the greatest DPs to do it in the last, you know, however many years, sitting there lining up shots. I'm just like, okay. And like, so I got rushed off the costume. They stuck me in a guard's outfit. They shaved me up. Like I had a beard. Um, and hey, yeah. presto, Chris Nolan put me in as the guard. But obviously, because I was already signed up to do the gig, I'd signed the contract, uh, you know, and the credit is you will be credited as doink. No, some someone didn't make a note to swap it. Um, Interesting. And, yeah. Oh, I'm still a prisoner, even though I'm a prison guard. Uh, similar story on Guardians of the Galaxy. My character was originally called Ugly Guard, but then James Gunn on the day was like, he's like, you're not ugly. <laughs> yeah, basically, he was like, hey, you're, you're not ugly enough. You need to change this. So, um, so yeah. Weird uh, stuff. Shit. So James, That's yeah, crazy, James, man. But because James Gunn was like, I'm James Gunn, we need to change this. Yeah. Whereas, like, because Chris Nolan had other more important things on his mind, like making The Dark Knight, which, as it turned out, was quite an undertaking. Yeah. And obviously, that note was never made, so I'm still credited as prisoner. But, yes, that movie follows me around, has done for, God, how long? I don't know how long it's been now, but, you know, a long-ass time. Uh, and and I love it, you know? Like, I, it's so cool, even though it's tiny, to be involved in something like that. Like, I once had someone recognize me... <laughs> This guy came over. Uh, yeah. I was sat at the pool with my then girlfriend, um, just sunbathing in Cuba. And <laughs> the guy came over to me and he was like, I'm sorry to bother you. My <clears throat> mate's over there. And he pointed to this guy who was like really nervous, sat on another sunbed. He was like, My mate's seen the dark night like like thousands of times. And He's been there's no way all in the same hotel for like a few days and he's like and he's been going on for like 18 hours about how he's pretty convinced that that guy is staying in room three that is crazy this guy from the dark night he's like we all tell him he's full of shit but like he won't shut up about it until one of us comes over and asks you if he's too shy and had to be like give the man a prize like yeah so <laughs> that is that's a fan man dark wow. night fans are crazy <laughs> they've seen it so many times like, uh, you, i'm one of them actually in that movie man like uh, go watch dark knight rises it's oh no <laughs> I, no honestly yeah i um, i love i love all nolan's work i'm a bit of a fanboy but yeah, yeah sure look no look i'm only joking it's amazing it's so cool yeah. I, and it's so cool to be a part of a culture like that in some little way you know to yeah. have, um so yeah but to this is several years after the dark night and this guy like you know and i didn't look i i was there in my bathers with my sunglasses on chilling by the pool like in a tub <laughs> how the hell but anyway yes so the dark night was 
I think one of those movies that no matter how long it t- how time passes since it's happened, it will always have an impact on the culture. It's always cool to have been involved in. Um, and look, if I end up being super successful and and a big famous movie star, then I'm I'm pretty sure that there will still be people in interviews go, hey, weren't you in the dark night? Um, <laughs> and that's it's a- gonna follow you, man. Yeah, yeah it will. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a really really cool nice thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. It annoyed me a little bit more when I was like in my twenties and I had a little bit more ego about it. It was like, but I don't want to just be the, the guard from the dark night. Um, but now that I'm like a little bit more secure in myself and I've had a bit more of a career and it's really cool. It's a nice thing to look back on and be like, that was, you can't, no, no one else can say that, you know? So. Yeah. 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 All right, dude. Thank you so much for taking the time, man. It's been a real pleasure to chat for the last hour or so. So Absolutely. I want to say yeah. thank you, man. No, it's been a pleasure for me too. Thanks so much for having me on, Dan. It's, it's been a great chat. And hopefully we can do it again soon with um, one of your many projects I'm sure are coming. Um, before I let you go, is there is yeah. there anything Ryan can say to Dan to close this one out? Can we bring yeah. him out or not? I'm <laughs> uh, <laughs> putting you on the spot. Uh, uh, I'm not a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Dad, it's been real pleasure, man. 